Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Businesses need to think beyond today. That's why ADP uses data driven insights to design HR solutions to help your business find more success tomorrow. HR, time, talent, benefits, payroll, ADP, always designing for people.
right, welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show and a Happy New Year to everybody. We were off the air last week, but we had a new show on a Happy New Hair special, but this is our first live show, and I'm sorry that we got started a half hour late tonight. We had a family birthday party to attend to, and it's kind of hard to leave before the cake. So we're here now, back in 2023. The show was going on 15 years this year. It's, I can't believe it's gone that long. It's incredible. I got to thank all you people for listening and tuning in every week and sending me messages and emails. I do appreciate it. Right there, Evil, with Evil, from Evil Message. There's a lot of evil, right? From 1984, from the EP. The band recorded that song. They re-recorded that song last year for the Book of Evil album. They combined it with the Evil's Message and made it like one eight-minute long song. It's actually not bad. I'm not a big fan of your band's redo songs, but it's actually not a bad cover of it. But there's nothing like the original. All right, we got a great show for everybody tonight. Alexander Kroll. From Leaves Eyes and Atrocities On, we'll be talking to Alexander in about 15 or 20 minutes. We'll play some music between now and then. Let's see, what can I get off here right now? We did a little evil. How about, you know, I spent the, the two weeks of the holiday going through all the old bands that I could think of from the early 80s that maybe just had demo tapes out, trying to get them on the show as guests. I've made progress with a few of them. Really, really underground bands from the New York area, so we'll see if we can make that happen sometimes next month. But... Right now, forgive me, I'm a little hoarse. Like I said, we had a party. There's a lot of chit-chat and talking going on. Uh, here's Sinful, Midnight Sunmaster. <laughs>
Anyway, there's a band I haven't played on the show in probably 13 years. Hillian, up from the dead, and Bolin stood me up about 13 years ago for an interview and kind of jerked me around with it for a while. So I refused to play that band on the show for the last decade. Uh, but you know what? It's a new year, so we have to forgive and forget and move on. Plus, if I do that for all the bands that screwed me over the years, we open up the playlist for about 100 different bands now. So I guess something good could come out of it. All right. We lost a great one last week. For Enforcer, Doug Traverson, the singer, passed away about a week or so ago. We weren't on the air live last week, so we couldn't do a little Enforcer tribute. Uh, Doug Lee was one of my earlier guests on the show back in the early uh, part of the decade. He was a great guy to talk to. And I was looking for so much more from the band, but really nothing ever came out of it after they kind of reunited. And uh, when was it? I think about 2008 or nine. And then the classic Chicago metal record came out about that time, the compilation. But nothing else ever happened to materialize with the band. Now Doug is gone. So rest well, my friend, Hizzle and Fossa, Salem's Curse.
picking up the pace here because we're going to have a trust, you know, in about two minutes. We'll play something off the brand new record. Imam is just saying in the chat room, his top three records for this year are Siren, Savage Master, and Witch Slay. And I have to agree with that. I mean, there were so many great albums that came out in 2022. I wanted to kind of make, can I show, you know, a recap of all of last year, but we just couldn't get around to it because I was running very late tonight. Uh, maybe we'll try it next week. It might get too late to do it, but we'll, we'll give it a shot. But my three albums for the year definitely have to agree. The new Siren record up there in the top three, the Witch Slayer, and I picked the Clovenhoof record uh, instead of Savage Master. But that is one of the top ten. It was a great year for metal, and this year is looking a lot better. Clovenhoof, as everybody knows, George Cole and uh, Clovenhoof kind of parted ways with each other, but they brought in the Tyrant. So, you know, Harry Conklin, the Tyrant, is going to be singing on the next. Clovenhoof record. I don't think he's going to be a part of the band permanently. I was talking to Lee last week. He's just making a guest appearance, which I don't really get. You think they'd want to look for a permanent singer so they have some stability instead of bringing one guy for a record, but you don't know what Lee's got cooking up, so it can't be a bad record with Clovenhoof writing it, Lee behind the bass, and Harry singing, it's, I guarantee it's going to be a good record, but we'll have to see. But New Jack Pans are coming out this year, so I'm looking forward to that. All right, let's talk to Alexander. Let's get us something off the new atrocity. We'll talk to Alexander, and we'll get that interview going right after that. So here you go.
sound great it came through perfect but i have to tell you i'm really happy i'm kind of sad and happy because we got the climax of the occult series and it's over (laughs) yeah thank you i mean crazy times be crazy music right (laughs) (laughs) definitely i mean this was i mean there's not a bad atrocity album in the bunch but this was a great set of three albums kind of wrapping up this whole story i mean if you go back 10 years ago was this the plan from the beginning, or did you just say, hey, you know, we're going to write the occult record, we're going to base it on this concept, and then it didn't come out where you say, hey, well, I got more Remy for more albums? Yeah, well, that, that was clear. It will be a trilogy. As, um, you know, further back, uh, uh, in Atlantis, uh, uh, or when we did the Atlantis album, in Times of Atlantis uh, record, um, it was also a, a huge project with a lot of research and stuff, because I'm very much into history and also uh, some occult stuff and and basically yeah, the dark side of humanity, if you say so. And the thing is, um, with the Atlantis was already such a wide range of topics, included one overall topic, which was like the legend or the myth of the sunken paradise. And, you know, starting with the Greek mythology from Platon, but also you have the same kind of legend in Africa, where the call Atlantis Atlantioi, or in uh, Latin America, with the uh, natives there calling uh, their Atlantis Atlan. You also have that flat uh, legend in the Bible, or in Asia, around the globe. So, there was like a wide range with, with all of that, let's say, with myths and uh, legends about that place. But, there's also the spiritual side of that, that people who are in contact with their Atlantean ancestors and say they can communicate with that and then you have completely other people uh, they believing Atlantis was uh, formed by or built up by aliens and they were coming with UFOs and then you have the Nazis having expeditions in the Himalaya looking for their source of Atlantis or alien race you see that's not just if you have one topic it's not just one way to have some <laughs> interpretation of, of the story so to say and I knew from the occult, if you go and enter the world of the occult, like the real dark side of humanity, it's also a wide range. You know, you have like, okay, a lot of people think like, oh, it's about Satanism. Yeah, wait, this is one string. The religious thing or the spiritual thing is one, one string of that. But, uh, you know, conspiracies or occult wisdom, which people 
uh, were hiding so they were not uh, getting uh, in trouble with the authorities. That's also part of it. Or the world of ghosts is, is part of it. And much more like that. Prophecies and uh, like really dark stories and, uh, and the psyche of, of human beings. And that was so such a wide field I knew from the start, not maybe a one decade, but I knew from the start, okay, it has to be more than one album only, so we are doing a trilogy. That was clear from the start. And also the musical uh, vision was clear. It has to be brutal, dark, evil, and epic. Oh, you accomplished that, and I have to tell you, I mean, you do get a lot of help with this world. The world we live in has all of that mixed into it, going back from the beginning of time. So there's definitely a lot of uh, things to draw from as a, you know, as a songwriter. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That that was like the challenge to bring like uh, the 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 best stories uh, together on this trilogy, or maybe a lot of things maybe people never even heard of. Or in another way, I like. Um, stories and places and, and, and events having an impact, like coming in waves. You see, nowadays, it's also another wave of a lot of strange things going on in the world. Everything went upside down since the corona came, right? Yeah. So, in a way, at least in our part of the world. And the thing is, uh, that is not something new uh, in, in, in the history of mankind, because it doesn't matter which system you live in, which political system. Uh, you have a democracy, you can have aristocracy, you can have dictatorship, communism, whatever, and religion. They all use one thing. It's called fear. Yep. That's what they use to manipulate people. This is what they use to keep you calm. This is what they use to control you, to manipulate you. So, you know, you are the puppet on the string. And the thing is, that is actually something which you can see nowadays perfectly. And especially like in religion, you behave, you go to heaven. If you don't behave, you go to hell and burn, right? And that's very simple uh, trick. Uh, and that's why I'm always requesting or asking for the story behind the story. Sometimes you only see the result of things, but there's much more behind it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I think about, like, you know, these albums and all your concept records, you do have quite a few concept albums that you've come up with. You know, telling a story and making it fit into a three or four minute song, it has to be difficult because even like when an author writes a book and they make a movie out of it, they have to adapt that into a screenplay to kind of fit with the storyline. Is it difficult trying to narrow down a humongous story that you, like, you're interested in into a three or four minute song? Yeah, in a, in a way, you're right with that. That's that's that, that's when you that, that's that's like with all that kind of songs when you, you're gonna write if you also write a song about your personal emotions and stuff like that you know you do you also have like the same time and maybe you could write like a 20 minute song but the thing is uh, that's why we have also a song like malicious succubus which is longer it's like seven minutes or something altogether and it's which is the heart uh, or like the middle track of the album and. Uh, I think, yes, uh, that, that is always something uh, you have to keep in mind. We are a metal band. We, we want to have great songs. We have to compress somehow uh, the storylines, but make it also spicy and exciting for the listener and to have, like, whatever hook line they can, they, they, you know, they can sing along or they, they get the message out of the whole thing. I think that's also important 
like we did that on the uh, Atlantis album. If people getting interested in stuff or they have an inspiration with a song, they look for more. And uh, with the Atlantis album, we had like an Atlantis expert, which was like uh, writing uh, uh, liner notes to 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 actually the the songs itself and what, what's all behind of that. And I think yeah, with the occult, with the artwork, uh, uh, with the occult trilogy, we have the artwork and we have great uh, uh, videos and stuff like that. So that's like uh, you know amplifying the music. Yeah, you know, before the interview, I was going back to all my old demo tapes, and the Instigators demo tape came up, and from like '88, wow. and I was like, I was saying to myself, my God, the band has been around in a couple of years, for almost 40 years. I couldn't believe that. I was like, is, is, has it gone by that quickly already? Yeah, that's crazy, right? Formed in '85, and that's '88 was already three years. The band going on. Uh, yeah, it's 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 amazing. And then we we still needed like. Okay, one more year, Deep Blue Blood, and then Hallucinations recorded in Florida with Scott Burns in Morrisound Studio. That was amazing times. I, it was actually something you will never forget in your life. It was like the golden days of death metal. And then, you know, uh, something sticks always to you. Or, no matter what else we did with, with the band, like with all kinds of uh, new ch musical challenges and bringing also, you know, something... Uh, like symphonic elements already on the second album. I mean, Hallucination was already a different death metal album, you know, being the first de uh, techno death metal album, so to say. And, uh, and now you have a whole genre like that. And on the other side, we did like something like World 80, uh, or, you know, the albums with my sister Yasmin, or Das Ich, uh, you know, which were like breaking up for big horizons for, for metal. Because there's only one law in heavy metal, it's called breaking the law. <laughs> That's right. I mean, you were a kid when the band started. You were a teenager. I mean, at that point in time, was it really more just for fun? Or did you think that I can make a career out of this? I could do this for the rest of my life? I mean, what were you thinking when the band first got started as, as a kid? Because, you know, you don't really think about the future at that point in time. That's true. I mean, we were lucky. We had like the rock group in Ludwigsburg. I don't know if you heard about that, but it was the first metal, really big metal club or temple uh, in, in Southwest Germany, we were like uh, the house band. We were like rehearsing there and the manager was our manager and all that. So that was my school of rock. So in a way, yes, I was thinking uh, that would be a, a dream of mine that the lifestyle I, I, I live, uh, like the metal lifestyle, will become also my profession. That's why I also, as a very young kid, uh, kid started to make uh, my own death metal festivals, a tour with Carcass through Europe. And bringing Entombed the first time to Germany, Pestilence, um, uh, or, you know, like other bands like Punch and Stench, Disharmonic Orchestra, and all that. So that, 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 that was something, you know, like the European tour with Carcass and Atrocity, nobody else wanted to do that back then, you know, well, what's that death metal, is it only noise or whatever. Uh, and then we had like shows like in Czech Republic, it was just when the Iron Curtain was going down. Uh, with 2,000 people and stuff, and nobody could believe that. They were like, holy Christ, what the hell is going on? <laughs> uh, and then and suddenly it was like the, you had this 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 kind of, uh, you know, it was, was overwhelming for us, uh, a death metal uh, boom. And and then the big companies came, or like the big touring companies came, and they took over, and I was just looking, ah, oh, okay, you guys now. You didn't want to have that before. <laughs> You're right. 
And then you think about a trash and you're going back to the beginning. There, to me, there's been so many errors of the band. And a lot of bands that have been around for so many years, they kind of change their style and the sound of music to kind of fit in with what's going on at the time. In the 80s, when hand metal became big, Judas Priest and Ozzy started wearing, you know, sequins and they got all glammed up and started writing music like that. And then when, you know, rap metal became big, bands like Anthrax jumped on that. When I think about Atrocity, you guys changed here and there, you know, your sound, but you went in the opposite direction. If this was what was popular, you went into something completely different. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you never followed any trends. It's almost like you nope. created them. Yeah, exactly. That That's what you say is, is that is the right explanation. <laughs> we had like a, a lot of bloody noses and we were doing like German lyrics and they were like, oh, you cannot release it in the US. So we, we just recall uh, or rename the album into do- Longing for Death, which was like oh, a big bummer for us. And then, you know, suddenly you have a band like Rammstein having like German lyrics. And I know some of the guys and they all, we always talk about that. It's quite interesting. And uh, yeah, it is possible. It was just nobody was daring to do that. And, uh, you know, with a lot of other stuff, you know, filming a video in Transylvania. And then, yeah, okay, now, uh, Alex, you only have to do vampire albums because it's becoming a huge trend. Yeah, well, then we had already another idea. <laughs> sure. So. That, that is the thing uh, uh, in the history of the band. Probably, if we would have stick to one thing of it all, uh, then we might have much more commercial success, so to say. Um, as I was also working for a record companies like Massacre or Roadrunner and uh, also Napalm. Uh, and I'm still very close in contact with Nuclear Blast, of course. My friends are there, or, you know, to our labels, Massacre and AFM. And also helping sometimes with discovering new bands and stuff. So um, that was sometimes they said, "Yeah, you're just too early with your with your ideas." <laughs> but <laughs> well, otherwise, we, we never wanted to be one of the copycats. Yeah, you never were, and you know, commercial success could bring a lot of financial success, but that's a, a hit and miss type of thing. You know, you could yeah. make it, you cannot. So it's more important to kind of stick to your guns and just write what you love and. You know you'll find the fan base, which you have, and they'll kind of stick with you yeah. throughout, which apparently is the case, because 40 years on almost, and the fans are still there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I, I 100% agree with that. And um, if you do things for money only or like to have that kind of a success, uh, then your art is not like the true uh, art with credibility and stuff. Uh, when I want to do something, uh, I need a personal vision with that. I, I need a connection. I... I need also something to believe in myself and not selling my soul to whatever uh, success. True. I mean, with, with so many hours behind you, you know, fans want to hear a little bit of everything when you perform live, some of the old stuff, some of the middle ground stuff, the new stuff. Have you thought about going out there and doing the entire cult series, all three albums, start to finish, or picking and choosing songs from each one that would kind of tell a story on its own for just one live show? Yeah, that is maybe an idea. Uh, it's actually... Uh, you know how you say that some some uh, requests here <laughs> or people are asking for that, and that's actually a great idea to think about that. Um, normally, we would, you know, combine some atrocity uh, or include some atrocity classics in, into a cult set. Uh, but maybe, yeah, now with the trilogy, it would make sense. Yeah, that's actually a good idea. It would be. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, bands that have been around for as long as you know atrocity has, and even leaves eyes. There's going to be a lot of changes. People come and go. They either can't commit to it or things happen and they just don't want to be part of it anymore. 
But I think if you know, but you being the main focus, the main songwriter, that's always kept its consistency, or, you know, or the sound and the direction of the band. So is it really important to have multiple plays in a band that all contribute and make it a band, or is it better when there's one person like yourself kind of guiding the ship to where it has to go? I mean, you know, you just mentioned yourself how long, uh, you know, uh, Lisa is also going on for a while, how long this, this band atrocity is going on. That's the foundation for it all, the foundation for my whole career, for the studio, Master Sound Studio, uh, and also for Lee's Eyes. So, um, and you know, if like people have, you know, stuff with family or uh, other profession or just, you know, cannot commit to live tours anymore or like the intensity of recording and record and you know, you have to sacrifice a lot of your private time and stuff like that. So uh, that is something, uh, maybe not everyone wants to do it until the end of their life, so to say. And my personal cho choice is different, right? And uh, I want to be uh, like full-time artist. I, I like to work also with other bands. I do filming and directing as well. So that it, that it's the world of me is the world of an artist. So for me, there's no doubt or no question what where to go to or what, what to, to put in. I always put, put in the max, 110% uh, for atrocity or least eyes. But you cannot expect this from everyone. And also sometimes it's, it's very simple also. If people have uh, personal or private stuff, which they just cannot, you know, combine with a live with us as a musician so that 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 being said um, with Tosso who was in the band uh, since 1994 uh, yeah, we're still in contact almost every day he's a very good friend of mine and it will not change because he's not in the band anymore but you know uh, we, we lost uh, 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 Tosso as a great person and and we were also writing songs together, but we, we, we had also opportunity to work with, with, with fresh blood, so to say, people who are uh, absolutely into uh, the same vision and they want to do something with the band. That's true. I mean, you know, today you have to be as much of a businessman as a, as a songwriter and a musician. And people think like, you know, with the Internet, things are so much easier now. And in a way it is because you could put up a song or a video within a couple of seconds people all over the world can get a hold of it if they want to compared to the old days where there was no internet and everything was kind of like done by hand back then I mean uh, how is it for an artist today do you prefer the way things are now to the way they were back then as far as promotion goes for a band and getting the name of the band out there you know if you sum it all up it has huge advantages but also disadvantages so the overflow of bands the overflow of songs and information and people cannot cope with that anymore. It's obviously, you know, that's why you have playlists or you're going back to single days when you have only a single out and then, and then wipe, 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 or skip, skip, skip to the next. And that is the big danger that, you know, inflation of music, so to say. On the other side, to reach out to so many people or having like a chance to reach even millions of people, that that's extraordinary. Uh, that is also a chance, of course. And it's... Uh, in a way, uh, for promoting your band or to, to you know, uh, amplify the distribution of, of your music, that is for sure much better than the old days. Because uh, I remember the major companies that didn't have any interest into metal, 
they they were even uh, you know not sabotage but they were like uh, preferring other music and uh, there was always a fight in the stores or in the record stores and stuff like that uh, to get space for metal bands and rock music you know because like major companies said oh who needs that crap you know we want to sell our pop shit so that is actually something uh, in in on the internet you can reach out directly to the people who love your music and and you have mail orders nowadays much more uh, attractive than back in the day uh, you know they they have like all kinds of uh, yeah music and you can choose from and that was back in the day major problem with the underground uh, scene when it all started to have like the right distribution and promo uh, possibilities but it made people creative I remember in the tape trading days you were yeah. sending tapes back and forth yep. uh, you know from from one continent to the other from one country to the other and it was having like you know it was like an occult circle so to say it was a it was like something like people you know somewhere in the underground uh, nobody from society were, was aware of probably having their own metalwork going on that was exciting as hell. It, it, something you cannot describe or tell people nowadays, as they wouldn't believe it. <laughs> it it's true. No, you you're right. Weeks for one demo? Are you crazy? You know. Yeah. I, I used to be a big tape trader back in the '80s. I remember, you know, trading with people from all over the world, and yeah. sometimes yeah. it would take four or five weeks to get a demo tape from a friend in Germany. The album would come out before the tape got here sometimes because yeah. it would take so yeah. long in the mail. Yeah. But then you have to be very passionate about the music. You have to have really this flame inside of you. This is, by the way, I still keep that flame. I have still that flame inside of me, like uh, this kid from back then, uh, to 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 work with the music, to to be creative, and you know, put all their effort into uh, all all their power and all their energy uh, to 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 do this as a metal musician. And that that is very important. Know, to be true to yourself, to have the credibility, and to have like also the vision for your own band. Absolutely. You know what you said earlier about the internet—that it's it can be overwhelming. There's so much going on out there, and there's so many things to get through to find, you know, one of those bands. Do you think if Atrocity has started out today in 2022, and you were putting out hallucinations right now, do you think you would have the success that you had back then? Because it's still the same record, it's still the same music. But the fan base would it be harder to find them as it was compared to back then when the label put the record out. <laughs> yeah, man, this is this were totally different times. And I remember, I think it was the most successful album from Nuclear Blast back then. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it was like you know having this HR Giger cover. It was a shock for for some of the metal press, you know that the band from Germany coming up with all of that, you know, first of all the artwork and then, wow, going to Florida, producing a, such an intense uh, technical death metal album and with blast beats and all that stuff. It was not everyone were, was using that back then as well. So I think we were even the first band with blast beats you know, on the Roadrunner or like from Europe at least. And the thing is um, they have also had a huge network back then so uh they were under license uh, was the hallucinations album from uh, on roadrunner and nuclear blast was the rest of the world 
So, well, nowadays, yeah, it's the same music, it's the same album. Uh, and still people love that album. Um, I don't know, but of course, that if you have a source like this, uh, in the evolution of technical death metal, sometimes even <laughs> it's kind of sport what, what's going on, right, in the music. Uh, and I, I was always breaking it down to great songs. No matter how technical we were or we are, I want to have great songs. And for that, I think Hallucinations is still a great record where people uh, get to know it uh, by chance or, you know, maybe they never heard of it and find it now. And they could be also very much attracted. Absolutely. It's true. I mean, I think you've come up with a great formula for releasing music. I mean, between the two bands, I mean, there's an album out from one, an album out from the other. And in between, I mean, there were five years between the two occult records, but, you know, you have Leaves Eyes releasing records. And it seems like every couple of months, there's a single out, maybe an EP, a video. So you keep the bands fresh in people's minds. You give them just a little bit to keep them going, but enough to make them wait and want more. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that this time was really because of the crisis and all that, that yeah. you had to delay the record so it was not planned also with the whole decade of the occult trilogy now it happened and now you know i see it like that i mean if i look at my colleagues uh, from sodom creator or destruction you know they're also not releasing every year on album <laughs> so we are established uh, bands and so we want to have a very great album coming out like uh, you know a celebration um and this is something you can also wait for and that is in this case the great final of, of of the trilogy i hope people will enjoy it and it was worth waiting for it and all the people getting uh, new to get to know the band uh, they can check out the previous uh, uh cult albums i'm sure they will alex i'm not going to keep you i know you have a whole bunch of interviews to do today so i'll let you catch a few minute break between the, the next one and this one uh, but what a great job on this record. I'm hoping in 2023, you know, the world's starting to open up again, I hope, <laughs> and you can get out there and start playing and hitting the road again on tour with the two bands. It would be great to see you live again. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the interview and greetings to everyone overseas. We hope to return uh, as soon as possible. Yeah, we are happy that this seems to be uh, more smooth than the last couple of years. Absolutely. Well, best of luck, my friend. The album is fantastic. You did it again. I can't wait for the next one. Thank you so much. Take care, Alex. Hey, bye-bye. Bye-bye.
beginning of that set after the interview with Trocity with Desecration of God Sacred Rite with Executioner and Morbid Sin the Outcast and the Savior that band features Bobby Leatherlung's Lucas on vocals uh, Attack is working on a new record hopefully it'll be out this year 2023 and in case you don't know Bobby is also the voice of the Heavy Metal Mayhem radio show theme song that was written by our ex-co-host and guitar player extraordinaire and my best bud Tommy Flang, a guitar player for Tempest. My old guitar player, Mike Fringo from Stillborn, plays on that. Our original guitar player, Andy Guider, did the engineering on it. also played the drums. My old bass tech, Ron Dwyer, played bass on there. So, a great little song by the Big Cheeses and the Little Cheeses. So, I love it. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. All right. We'll do a... Nah, you know what? We'll do another set of music. Then we'll kind of wrap it up here tonight. 
Uh, not much going on. We're keeping it kind of low-key today because we were running late. I just wanted to get the show on and off the air, you know, with no problems, and we've managed to accomplish that. Uh, bouncing around through a couple of blabbermouth articles this week. Uh, we didn't really do any news segment tonight or any rants or raves. We'll keep it kind of light for the first week of the year. Uh, I saw the headline for Blab about this. As you know, Ripper Owen says, I don't think I sound like anybody else. And all I can think of is, didn't Judas Priest hire you because you sounded like Rob Halford? I mean, maybe I made a mistake there. I know Blab about has a way of taking, you know, words out of a conversation, using it as a headline. And sometimes it doesn't fall into place. I actually didn't even read the article. Uh, but that, that made me laugh when he says, I don't think I sound like anybody else. I'm like, well, you were hired for Priest because you sound like Halford. But, you know, then there was a 749,000 interview with Dave the Snake Sabo from Skid Row, if somebody asked me about getting back together with Sebastian Bach, I had him on the show a couple of times. I never once brought up Sebastian Bach in any interview. I actually won't give him any airtime or any credit for anything, but I don't know why people keep asking that same question over and over again. I mean, you think you're going to get a different answer than the interview before you? I mean, he's been out of the band for two decades. I think it's time to let it go. You know what I'm saying? All right, let's get back to the last set of music here. Then we're going to wrap it up. We'll come back on before we close it out, but how about we do a little Kid Gloves Reasons. I know that you've been gone. 
right, we started off with Kid Gloves, a little Panther after that. And right there, that was Zoltan. Before they were, after they were Zoltan, they were Keen Hewitt, another band out of Sweden that comes off the one and only demo tape from 1984. And then not long after that, they changed the name of the band to Keen Hugh. All right, we're going to wrap it up. we got two more songs to play tonight by two bands that have been on the show in the past. They have new records coming out, and these are two songs off of them. I'll get them on in a minute. But just want to touch on something that Dee Schneider said. You know, he's always been controversial with everything he says, but this is something I have to agree with him on. I don't usually agree with him on a lot of things. He made a comment about how Ronnie James Dio was not a great frontman, but a great singer. Now, this is something I've talked about in the show many times in the past, that there were frontmen and there were singers. You have singers that are just unbelievable vocally. They could deliver any line any way possible. Ronnie was one of them. Jeff Tate in his prime was one of them. Uh, there are a lot of people out there today that can still do it and carry it live. And then you have frontmen. Dee Schneider, not a great singer at all by any means, but a great frontman. If you ever seen Twisted Sister live, especially in the earlier days, there was nobody better than Dee. I mean, he got the crowd going. I mean, that's just the way he was. Ronnie was an amazing singer, but he wasn't out going on stage. And he doesn't have to be because he's Ronnie James Dio. I get that. But, you know, if you're looking for that guy, like Ozzy, not a great singer, an amazing frontman. You know, David Lee Roth, not a good singer, an amazing frontman. You know, when you go to a show, you want to get pumped up, you want to get worked up. You know, I don't want to hear the songs exactly like they're on record. I want to hear the way they perform live. You know, that's what you got with those guys. You know, you weren't going to get mirror images of the record because they were out there trying to entertain the crowd. They were entertainers more than they were singers, you know. You have other people that were great singers, like Ronnie, and, you know, like you've seen Robert Plant, and then Todd LaTorre chimed in and made a comment about it. He wrote down who? And, you know, people think he's being sarcastic, but I think he really means it. He probably has no idea what Todd LaTorre is. Most people don't. I mean, this is a guy who really did nothing in metal at all until he got into Queensryche, and he only got to Queensryche because he sounded like Jeff Tate. If you hear him on some of the earlier stuff he did, which wasn't a lot because he really didn't put a lot of stuff out there, you know, recordings, he sounds like Jeff Tate. That's why he got the job. The same way Ripper got it, and he went into Judas Priest. And, you know, he just became like this big mouth all of a sudden, where he's always been the voice of Queensryche. You know, he's not humble at all, and you think he would be, because so then he got a job where he's making a little bit of money, and he's not getting rich doing it, but he's making enough to probably support himself on being a Queensryche, but Queensryche is not the same Queensryche from 1983, or 84, or 82. Or even from 1990. I mean, you have Michael Wilton and you have Eddie Jackson in the band. That's it. That's all that's left in that classic lineup. And back in the early days, those were the two that contributed the least to the Queensryche sound. So that's where it goes and that's where it is. So we'll just leave it alone like that. But let's wrap up tonight's show. Next week, Dennis Bart of Aggression is on. Hopefully my voice will be back and I'll be feeling a lot better. We're going to close it out tonight. We're going to do some Vicious Nature to set over some brand new music. This is Moment of Impact. And we're going to close it out with Jackie Chambers' advanced hysteria. She's a guitar player in girls' school. Uh, and if anybody doesn't know, Vicious Nature is the old guys from Martial Law. So we're going to play those two songs and close it out here tonight. Take care, everybody. Have a great week, and I'll see you next Sunday night. I was going to say, maybe we won't play those two songs, but we will. I actually deleted them instead of playing them. I'm all out of it today. All these medications I'm on have gotten me completely screwed up. So let's do that one more time here. Here you go. Moment of Impact by Vicious Nature.
Alive.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Imagine the refined lines of the 2023 Range Rover Velar. Now picture it being perfectly composed even when the road isn't. All-wheel drive terrain response and a host of driver assistance technologies deliver exceptional on and off-road control even when the weather is less than exceptional. Picture an interior outfitted with premium leather and textiles that are soft and supple to the touch. Stop imagining and tap the banner or visit your local retailer for details. Range Rover Velar. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.